This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for Morning Air here on Relevant Radio. It's Glenn in for John today. Fourth day of 2022. Get it right on the checks and keep going on those resolutions four days in. It gets tough here in the next day or two. So uh, we're glad to have you along that you've resolved to make morning air part of your morning routine here in 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. Still to come this hour, we'll talk with Bishop Richard Sticka. Uh, we'll talk about Jesus and the Epiphany. We'll also give you a brand new story corner. And we're going to get this hour underway with a look at what might have been under the tree. Talking electronics with our electronics pro here on Tech Tuesday. Mark Mastriani joins us. Mark Take that headset off for just a moment and uh, re-engage with reality with us, won't you? <laughs> good what morning. How are the holidays again? for you? <laughs> Very good. The holidays were excellent. They were virtual excellent. and real. <laughs> well, we're talking the the virtual stuff, and when reality meets those virtual headsets, my goodness. Now, you know, i got to admit, when I was in junior high and one of my best buddies' mom worked at the local bowling alley, we had two two video games there we had pong of course with the uh, nice slow beep 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 and then there was one race car game the the top down view with one tiny oil slick as the uh, the only hindrance to making your way around the track and that was it so virtual reality headsets are are quite a step up for me but uh you know becoming a natural thing for uh, folks of uh, a certain generation but folks of a certain young generation how safe are they Great question, Glenn. That's the, exactly what we want to talk about today on Tech Tuesday. Good morning and Happy New Year. So what we're going to talk about, uh, I, I'm a child of the 80s, Glenn. So uh, what I'm used to from the arcade experience uh, is certainly the 2D experience that you're, you're sharing, uh, a flat screen with maybe a joystick and a couple buttons. And then uh, throughout the 80s and into the early 90s, the screen started to wrap around the player, right? And it started to feel a little bit more immersive. Then uh, in the mid-90s and into the late 90s, you got uh, 3D. Even in, uh, there were movies in the 70s and 80s, of course, as well, where you could put on, you know, the, the one red, one blue uh, paper <laughs> glasses and the movie uh, came to you in 3D. Well, VR glasses are taking that yet one more step further. With uh, two different views of the same scene, you can feel like you're in a 3D environment. And also with hand controllers, you can get some tactile feedback to your surroundings. So we've talked about VR a little bit on Tech Tuesday in 2021. Here in 2022, we wanted to take this a little a little further because it's becoming more mainstream, all right? So there are multiple vendors now who sell headsets and hand controllers that you can use to participate in virtual reality experiences. It's not just games, actually. It's games. Uh, games may have been the first 
implementation of virtual reality, but you can actually engage in virtual reality meetings, virtual reality um, seminars and conferences. A wider variety of experiences are becoming available. What about our kids, right? If games are the leading edge of this technology, uh, our kids are usually the leading edge of gamers, and so are our kids safe? The answer is maybe, maybe not. So on most devices, when you hand, when you open the box, turn on the device, the first thing that I do as a parent, I go to the settings. I turn off location-based services because I don't want, uh, for two reasons, it burns a lot of battery, but it also, I don't need every minute of every day for the data of my location to be captured and shared. It's just not necessary, right? So I turn that off. Then if my child or children are gonna use this device, I go into those parental settings and I, I switch off that they're not, uh, no one can reach out and introduce themselves to my child through this device, right? That's a very big and important control that most devices and most platforms provide to parents, most. Not yet with these 3D uh, virtual reality, sorry, uh, headsets and gear. Surprisingly, not yet. Uh, it seems very uh, common for parental controls to be available. And yet, there are, uh, there's a, an organization, a nonprofit, that's called the Center for Countering Digital Hate. It's a nonprofit organization that is calling out the manufacturers of the VR headsets uh, and software. Why are they not yet uh, on par with other gaming and digital products, right? We don't want our kids harassed. We don't want inappropriate content presented to our children. There are very simple restrictions that we have in 2022 that are not yet made available through these platforms. And it's simply not acceptable. It must be made available. And that's what this uh, nonprofit is pushing forward, the Center for Countering Digital Hate it's not just no, a Mark, are these uh, are these controls something that can be switched on or they literally don't exist in the product at this time that's the problem there are many vr headsets that don't have any parental controls for content introductions social media style introductions uh or harassment uh and that's why we caution uh, always here on Tech Tuesday, one of my favorite words here is just prudence. It's not yet prudent because of the lack of controls to provide this, these products to our kids under the age of 13. It's not yet prudent. And well, Mark, is part of this the, the speed? The, is part of this, Mark, the speed of getting the products out versus, well, Parents can't look over the shoulder like they can on a regular computer screen, and so we've got the kids to ourselves. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Glenn. I think 
the speed at which these products have been brought to market may have come at the cost of prudence and safety for our kids. There are manufacturers, not just Oculus, Oculus is probably the most popular brand, which is owned by Meta. Meta's the new name for Facebook, okay? Oculus, which is the manufacturer of the Quest 2, is the most popular of all of these products. Now, uh, there are other manufacturers as well. HTC and a few others are providing these same headsets. But in, interestingly enough, none of them have parental controls currently available. This is kind of uh, when the Oculus Quest uh, came out, one of the previous Oculus products, even before the Quest, was one of the first to market. And the only games that were made available were of mature content. So at that point, you couldn't play kids' games with any of these VR headsets. And the newer headset manufacturers took a cue from Oculus and just... The tech industry is full of copycats. The HTC Vive... There's another company called Valve. They have a headset called the Index. And Sony's PlayStation VR headset for PlayStations 4 and PlayStations 5, all of them copycatted after Oculus without parental controls. And it's simply not acceptable to us parents at this point. Talking the safety of those new virtual reality headsets, maybe your kids got some for uh, Christmas and we're talking about uh, parental controls or lack thereof. Mark Mastriani, our tech expert with us for this segment of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio. And Mark, a part that people might not comprehend, right, is the, the amount of connectivity through these. So you can play games with your friends, which allows, again, another person to be in communication and sort of in a, a hidden communication without parents, again, being able to look over the shoulder with these. You're totally right, Glenn. Um, I want to bring a little bit more color and context to this topic by bringing in another new publicly traded company called Roblox. Roblox is its almost like Minecraft in that you can create things in a virtual environment. But unlike Minecraft, it's mostly social experiences in a virtual environment. You have a kind of a squared off body and a squared off head. You create your avatar, the, the color of your skin, the color of your hair. And then you go into a variety of virtual environments such as a fashion show, uh, a movie theater, a, a variety of different uh, scenes and settings. And what happens in the interactions in these environments, you can buy items for your avatar, you can change the clothing of your avatar, you can uh, interact with other people, buy and sell products in this virtual environment. But also, people come up to you. The other avatars, controlled by other human beings, come up to your avatar and introduce themselves. Well, isn't that problematic, right? Roblox does have parental controls in place where if you're under 13 uh, 
and my recommendation is it's probably not good for kids under 13 for other reasons beyond the parental controls. I don't think kids under 13 are ready for social interaction in a virtual environment. But the in Roblox, you can turn on and off uh, how introductions can occur. Can other kids under 13 introduce themselves to me? Can other adults introduce themselves to me? The parent can control that. Well, what if you're an adult and you register a, a character as under 13? There's still prudence. There's still parental oversight and parental engagement that's required, even with a game like Roblox that has some very basic low bar kind of uh, parental controls. So these virtual environments, there's concerts happening in here. Uh, you know, Fortnite is a game, but it's also a virtual environment where concerts are occurring, right? So you can go in there and have unique uh, once in a lifetime kind of experiences in these virtual environments. Again, however, where is prudence? What do we say in our Catholic faith about the virtues? Are these games helping us or not? Are they uplifting our spirit or are they not? So when it comes to you know, Minecraft and you're engaging in the, in the gift of the creator and you're building different buildings and environments and castles and towers, there's so much uh, that is positive about you know, the kind of virtual Lego experience that you have inside of Minecraft. On the other hand, you've got, uh, you also have the once-in-a-lifetime benefit of these virtual experiences inside of some of these games and environments. On the other hand, we're parents, we're using prudence, we want to see what our kids are doing inside of these environments, my, uh, so I saw one of these Roblox fashion shows. You go into a fashion show, they give you a theme. You have five minutes to dress your avatar in the theme of that particular uh, fashion show. And then you walk out on the runway and you rate the appearance of the other characters. So there, again, is that problematic? It depends on the age and the maturity of your child. Right, it's a it's where uh, good engagement with your child and understanding their their sensitivities and their social uh, maturity is so critical uh, in determining what what's right and what's wrong for certain kids. Mark, as we look at these virtual reality headsets, uh, like so much of modern technology, it's kind of a, a superpower that can be used for good or evil. We hear a lot about the uses for evil, and that can cause a wide array of problems we haven't even imagined yet in, in some areas. But uh, are there, in addition, like you said, kind of that, that, that feeling of building up creation, kind of building things in, in virtual reality, but are there, are there good uses for this technology? There absolutely are, Glenn, and I'm glad you brought that up. The last couple of minutes here that we have, uh, at, towards the end of 2021, we had a Tech Tuesday where we talked here about what us Catholics can do with tools like this. It is very exciting to see 
the possibilities. Not only are environments being built inside of virtual reality that we can, can control, what if we build churches inside a virtual environment, virtual reality, where we can catechize youth and young adults, they can come in and just kind of casually meet us in these virtual environments, just as they're casually meeting artists inside of art venues inside of these virtual environments, just like they're engaging in meetings and conferences in sort of business environments in these virtual reality landscapes, uh, we can build the, we can offer uh, the hand of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in these virtual environments ourselves. So fellow Catholics, fellow Catholic techies, let's get in there, right? <laughs> let's roll up our sleeves. I'm calling myself out here as well. During the last couple months, I'm working on something that I hope to announce mid-year where these new tools can be lifted up. Can We can use these tools to provide experiences that are currently not available that can lift up the spirit. But I, but I encourage our listeners, let's get in there, right? right? Let's roll up our sleeves. What does uh, an organization like Focus do? Right? It, it's engaging youth and young adults where they are, right, on college campuses, right? What about youth and young adults who aren't on college campuses? If they're in these virtual reality environments, why not allow an, an interaction to occur if you can walk up to, <laughs> virtually walk up to a stranger in these virtual environments or provide a beautiful environment for people to come to inside of these virtual reality environments to engage with the transcendent, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I love that challenge, Mark. I love that yeah. challenge that we ought to uh, push one another on to, to do good works, right? To, to outdo one another in doing good. Is this something in helping people to imagine things beyond games like uh, virtual reality headsets could provide that immersive 3D experience in terms of sharing our Christian story to, to place us right there next to the manger at the first Christmas, to place us at the foot of the cross at the crucifixion, to kind of experience that in, in 3D? Is that, is that something that's possible? Not only is it possible, the answer is yes, but what makes this virtual reality experience even more powerful, Glenn, is that we can go there with our family and friends. Let's say that you and I schedule a time, 3 o'clock every Thursday afternoon, that we're going to go into VR environment together, right? What if you and I experience something at the same time? What if we are led on a tour of something beautiful and interesting? What if we go somewhere or hear something or, again, go back in time, like you said, and actually see the crucifixion at the foot of the cross? These are all possible. And they're possible not just myself in a little cocoon looking at a 2D screen. I can experience this with you. We can go together, quote-unquote, together, <laughs> virtually 
to experience this at the same time in the same place, be led on a tour uh, uh, in an experience uh, at the same time in the same place. It's really beautiful. Something, yeah. I, I've said it's on beautiful. Tech Tuesday for years, right? Uh, technology is a, a tool unlike, uh, just like a hammer is a tool. It's what you do with it. That's, that's the most important thing. So, well, yeah, sorry. Great, uh, <laughs> great look at the superpower. There. Great. Yeah. Well, great look at the potential superpower of this technology as we uh, talk about the, the safety of those uh, virtual reality headsets uh, for kids with lacking parental control, but looking at the potential upside and that challenge to one another out there as well. Hey, before we let you go, just on the on the safety on the physical side with especially young kids, is there any danger to, uh, you know, overuse of the eyes in a situation like this? Right. Uh, we don't know yet. It's actually so new, we don't know if this technology is overwhelming the senses of our young kids. So that's something we'll have to keep our eyes on very closely and we'll report on in Tech Tuesday in the future. Oh, very good. We look forward to that again. You can find out more about what Mark Mastriani is up to. Reach him on Twitter at God Loves Tech. All right, Mark, thank you so much for being part of Tech Tuesday and uh, good luck with uh, reality and virtual reality here uh, in uh, 2022. We appreciate it so much. Uh, coming up right around the corner, we'll talk with Bishop Richard Sticka and we'll uh, see how uh, well skilled he is with video games or maybe instead talk a little more about Epiphany and, uh, and our Lord. That's coming up as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and uh, the relevant radio app. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a beautiful Hey, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful year. So far, so good. Huh? Hopefully for you in 2022, the 4th of January, rolling into this week. It's Glenn in for John. Thank you so much for joining us this hour. Still to come, our story corner, Martha Fernandez-Sardina comes up. We talk about what's in a name after the top of the hour as well. But right now, we continue morning here. Always happy to check in with Bishop Richard Sticka from Knoxville, Tennessee. Bishop Sticka, great to have you along. Merry Christmas. And how have the holidays been going for you so far? Things have been going... Uh, excellent. Actually, we even had a, a little dusting of snow yesterday here in Knoxville, so it was a uh, it was a nice Christmas and feast of the Epiphany. So it's been good. Well, those of us in the northern climates are happy to share a little bit of that uh, that true <laughs> Christmas experience with you in terms of a little a little white out there, but not too much to to mess up travel and in all of that. But uh, yes, talking about the Epiphany today a little bit, and you know, trying to. Imagine, I love that saying of what wise men still seek him, right? Yes, and, and being from St. Louis, my home parish was the Epiphany of Our Lord Parish, and above the front door, uh, engraved in stone, was we have seen his star and have come to adore him. And uh, this past Sunday, when I was preaching, I kind of used that as a reminder that the three uh, astronomers, the Magi, actually came to adore Jesus and to give him gifts. And it's a good lesson for all of us. Certainly, as we can learn so much from our Lord, too, uh, once we seek him, that's uh, all he's asking is that uh, we have 
hearts open to that. His ministry involved healing and feeding, always teaching. Part of that is uh, us being ready and willing students and uh, maybe even halfway ready and willing and then uh, being amazed at what we're learning and and that interest uh, growing. When we talk about New Year's resolutions and uh, hopefully going beyond things with finance or weight and proper nutrition, but uh, to have some spiritual improvement this year as well. And you've got some great ideas on how we ought to maybe dispose ourselves to be a little more ready to learn. Yes, you know, Jesus gives us that perfect example of what it means truly to be a Christian. you know, when he would enter a village, he would heal, he would feed, and he would teach. And we could do all three of those daily in our lives. We could help bring healing in the world by how we live our Christian Catholic faith. We can feed, um, you know, in a very spiritual way, but also in a very physical way. We can reach out to those in need, and we can teach by example. So each of these uh, examples that Jesus actually lived, he traveled with what we call the Holy Land um, are excellent examples for ourselves. And, uh, you know, we could become overwhelmed by uh, making decisions about New Year's resolutions. And then usually within 24 hours, they start to uh, disappear. I always remind people just to take one or two examples of, of the life of Christ or a saint and try to live those daily in your life, whether it's more uh, to give yourselves more to charity or to prayer or to uh, uh, seeking knowledge to the scriptures, you know, uh, make it a a profound uh, way to live life um, by simple things. Oh, Bishop Sticka, as we continue to talk about uh, being open to Jesus' teaching and his example of how we ought to live as as Christians and Catholics, uh, Healing comes to mind, especially in the current environment in which we live. And uh, some of us might be medical professionals, but certainly not all. But the the healing that really needs to be done due to divisions over politics, over medical advice, over just regular things through the the course of life, I would say we can really stand out and be great witnesses for Christ if we are those those healers in our environment today. Uh, Correct. And, and, you know, in our own life... uh, the way we live our life is things that we bring into our life, how we are, how we feed ourselves and we can feed ourselves with all kinds of negative information or, or political discussion. And all of a sudden it can distort who we are, or how we see the world, all this division. And, and that's why, you know, you can take 20 minutes and watch, you know, a national news broadcast and get angry, or you can take 20 minutes and, and read the scriptures and, and reflect uh, maybe on just one particular passage. So it's how we feed ourselves as well as how we feed others. What we bring into our life is that one of my common expressions, you can't teach Jesus unless you know Jesus. So in order to know Jesus, in order to teach others, you have to know Jesus. And it's how we feed ourselves in order for how we actually uh, know Jesus. And Bishop Sticker, to be properly disposed to learn about Jesus, we have to have a heart that's open to, to learning and maybe not be ready to sit down at that homily with arms folded and, you know, I'm not going to be on board with what you have to say type, type of attitude, but to maybe go there, certainly go there and pray in advance to, you know, be open to what the Spirit would have us learn. Yeah, I think a lot of times people who preach are like chiropractors. 
you, you, you can look out from the anvil, and if they agree with you, they'll shake their head one way, and if they disagree, they'll go the other way. And, and uh, yeah, you know, for those who preach the word, uh, you know, from the pulpit, we can't be afraid to be authentic. And we have, but in order to be authentic, we have to, to pray over the scriptures and to see how they relate to our own lives in order for uh, to have the ability to, to preach it to another person, both by witness and by word. And if we do that correctly, I think people can take the message home um, with them, you know, after mass and then live it themselves. It's kind of like a ripple effect. You know, you throw a pebble into uh, still waters and there's this ripple effect. Well, the same is true on how we live our lives. To touch another person, um, the impact that we might have on that person could then impact another person and another person and another person. And that's how we, we can help change the world. One person to another, you know, intentional in our following of Christ. Maybe a good impetus, too, as we listen to those homilies, as we pursue Scripture, as we are open to that, even if we've read that passage time and time again, the way things work with the living and active Word of God is that it can speak to us differently at different stages in our life. But to be open to that and also to look at not only, well, what can I be amused by, but what can I learn here to share with others, if we can, you know, pray about some situation with some person in our life and think if there's something we've learned here, not just to say, well, you know, Father so-and-so said this, so you ought to do this, but, you know, how it can change our heart maybe to, to better reach that person. Yeah, there's a great danger, I think, in just drifting along with the current, um, you know, not experiencing the fact that we we have to be open to the Holy Spirit guiding us in our lives and then with that help, we can set our direction on what what we choose to do. You know, that's what people do with, with New Year's resolutions. They always say, you know, I want to do this. I want to make a change. I want to uh, I want to uh, develop uh, a greater this or that. And if you get so overwhelmed by all these things that you would like to do, you don't know which direction to go. So that's why my advice always is to take one or two things and to uh, – Almost like in the morning when we do a morning offering or, you know, a prayer to devote the day to God, you know, make a decision. This is what we're, I'm going to live. I'm going to be more prayerful today. And then at the end of the day, as you evaluate the day to see how well you did, uh, you know, they, some uh, behavioral scientists will tell you it takes, uh, you know, two weeks to form a good pattern of life. Well, if it only takes two weeks, you know, we're at the very beginning of the year. Just think how that can have an impact on us for the rest of the year. And then all of a sudden we're at the door of 2023 uh, and our life has changed because of these simple steps that we do daily in our lives. That ability and willingness to grow and to change requires a spirit of humility to be open to, to learning, to be open to be corrected. Uh, Jesus was happy to heal the blind during his ministry on earth here, but uh, quite often it was them humbly asking for help. Yeah, and that, that sense of humility, the the example of this past weekend with the epiphany, you know, we have these these three men, the three magi, uh, they traveled, they followed the star, um, they came to Jesus. And what did they do? They knelt before the baby Jesus, these, these wise men, these astronomers, these scientists, whatever of their day. And they, they traveled from their own lands, you know, with these three gifts, and they knelt before the baby. 
adults kneeling before a baby. And, and that's the example of epiphany. Jesus is made manifest for the world, just like it is baptism, just like at the nativity. Those three things are so intimately connected. And yet the, the, the world kneels before the Christ child as a baby. And I think that's a, a wonderful example of humility, to kneel before the Lord, to kneel before those gifts that he gives to us, uh, that God the Father gave to us, his son, Jesus. And I think this uh, celebration of Epiphany is just so profound in terms of the gift of humility. Bishop Richard Sicker from Knoxville, our guest with this portion of Morning Air, talking about the Epiphany and having a heart that's open to learning the teachings of Christ here in the new year and uh, for all of our lives, as a matter of fact, as well. As we move, move forward and, and try and learn and accept what the Lord has for us, uh, talking about that spirit of humility that's so necessary. And sometimes might we come to that almost in terms of giving up. There are so many things we can do to learn and practice and, and be holy through our Catholic faith. And we can be exhausted at trying to figure it out, and sometimes drifting too much into our own power as opposed to coming there and going, Lord, I'm not sure I completely understand this, but I humbly submit to you. Lord, I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be learning here, but I'm willing and open and just that that thoroughly humble spirit to kind of give it up to God. Yeah, it's the example of the gospel too, you know, trying to uh, pass through the narrow gate and, and uh, you know, to, to alleviate from ourselves things that keep us from passing into that that opening. It's like humility is that key and it, it fits into the keyhole and it allows us to pass through the gate, but the gate is narrow. And so we need, uh, I would think we would, it would be beneficial to us is to like all those things that, that really burden us. And, you know, those things like anger or jealousy or possessiveness or, you know, just a, a sense of, you know, sometimes people have a sense that they, they just can't make a difference. Sure they can, you know, the example of David, you know, in the Old Testament, the young child, you know, the example of Mother Teresa, uh, a woman who is not even five feet tall. You know, there's all these examples of the scriptures that remind us of humility is that which allows us to pass through that gate. And then all of a sudden to be able to, to discover the beauty of that which the Lord offers to us. Our Western culture might not be as strong as others at times through history in terms of a culture where saving face or pride is so important that uh, so many wars started uh, over that through the years. But uh, our current pop culture may be not so good at teaching us humility uh, in order to get us to buy things, wants us to focus on what we want at all times and in all places and scaring us into that direction of buying this thing or that experience. Otherwise, we'd be missing out and not getting what we deserve. And if we're not careful, we can kind of, if we're just bathed in this type of messaging all the time, fall into to bad behavior and get away from that humility and that concern for the other. Yeah, the culture that surrounds us right now, especially with social media and everything, uh, could be so detrimental to who we are as humans. Um, you know, it tells us that we we are an individual and that we deserve, we can demand all these things that really are superficial to what it means to be uh, a human. And, uh, you know, everybody, it seemed right before Christmas, the shelves were going to be empty. And, oh, my goodness, it was going to be a horrible experience because we cannot buy the best or to share it with another person. Well, if we bought into that, then we, 
we've also bought into the thing that Christmas is is not about Jesus, but it's about social things. And again, that sense of humility, the Christ child to adore. And and it doesn't mean that we have to acquire more and more and more and more. I think our faith tells us we have to simplify ourselves more and more and more uh, to simplify our lives in order to be able to uh, open our arms to Jesus and, and get rid of all the stuff that keeps us from being able to hug Jesus in a spiritual way. And Again, uh, focusing, focusing on humility quite a lot, realizing that uh, there have always been rebels through every generation, but it became culturally more and more popular from the 60s and, and 70s on that we have a, a tough time maybe being more automatically obedient to authority these days. Is that one of the challenges we find as a church in, in getting people not only to, to show up for things or even show up for mass as they ought to, but to, to listen to those in proper authority? Yeah, you know, to be obedient has taken on a lot of negative connotations, especially in the spiritual life. To me, the obedience to the Word of God frees us. It, it allows us to experience that which we would not normally pay attention to in our own day and age. You know, obedience to, to the Lord. Uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you wish to be my friend, you know, do what I tell you. Or what did the Blessed Mother say? You know, at, at Cana, do as he t- do as he tells you to do, you know, when, with the water and the wine. And uh, to me, you know, I, I think people need and want and desire a structure. Otherwise, they just kind of float with the with the water going down the stream of uh, culture. And, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. But, you know, the world has a cycle and our church has a cycle. And sometimes when we begin to stray from God, all of a sudden we get back to that place where we need to be. And that's what we pray for, I think, on a daily basis. Bishop Sticker, we're easing back into these regular work weeks now, so we'll, we'll take a break and come back very shortly here with Bishop Richard Sticker from Knoxville talking about learning from Christ here in the brand new year. Morning Year continues. Story Corner on the way, too. It's all here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Just rolling along, getting back to it here the first week of the brand new year. Thanks for joining us for Morning Air. Glad in for John today. Our story corner coming up in just a little bit. Continuing our conversation about Epiphany with Bishop Richard Sticka from Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking about the, the need to, to learn from Christ, the need to do that with a, a humble spirit and that, lear, that need to never quit learning to be open so that we may share what we learn. Any particular things as uh, you've gone along in life and uh, learned and done more in the church in an official capacity as well, Bishop Sticker, that has helped you to, to, I guess, maybe learn better ways as we age to continue to have that hunger for learning about Christ? Well, I'm an eternal optimist, and, and I believe that's because faith is an optimistic thing, that every day we have joys and we have sorrows. If we accept the joys and celebrate them, and if we are challenged by those uh, those sorrows will it builds character, and and so I think as we as we age, as we move into another year, this year is going to be filled with joys and sorrows, and that's just part of life. 
And so that's always my prayer that, that I accept those joys and I celebrate them and I appreciate them. And with the challenges, I learn from them. And I think if we follow that with a spirit of uh, optimism and hope and humility, um, it's going to be a beautiful year. Every day is potential to make a difference. If we do an act of mercy and an act of kindness for another person. And so that's what I hope I hope to strive for in my own life. As we've had that beautiful opportunity to chat with you through the years about the growing diocese of Knoxville as Catholics continue to move a little further south as, as well, that certainly helps with it in, in terms of that internal migration in the U.S. as well. But what are some of the challenges as you look forward to the coming year for your diocese? Well, there's always a challenge as we grow, um, you know, and and I have some priests that are, are moving up there in years just to maintain uh, the the ability to be able to minister to the people of God. This year, uh, we'll probably have two new church buildings and probably a new parish. Um, uh, we're going to have a, uh, in a canonical way, it's, uh, we have a parish near Chattanooga that's going to be declared a mission and hopefully within a year a parish itself. So, you know, just try to provide and also to steer people in the right direction. So they, you know, in this era when we're looking at the Eucharist and the profound nature of what the Eucharist is about, as what the Holy Father has called us to, also with the Synod, there are many good things that that are going to be happening this year. Um, I'm going to ordain three uh, transitional deacons, God willing, later in the year, and and, uh, 24, 25 permanent deacons. And so just the, the whole ministerial thing, but also call people to a greater sense of prayer. Fortunately, in our diocese, people are coming back to Mass. Um, even after, before I lifted these, the, uh, the dispensation, they were back. You know, that was just a, uh, a canonical thing, but they were already coming back. And, and uh, so that's good to see as well. So uh, we just continue to build uh, the church and the people and, and force their faith bringing them to the Eucharist and know that with God, all things are possible. In Tennessee, we note a particularly strong Protestant influence in terms of Christianity, and you're operating as a, as a Catholic in the, in the midst of that. Uh, anything you've learned about uh, helping to share some of those, those secrets of the beautiful Catholic faith with those uh, of a, another Christian persuasion? Well, we teach by example, and uh, one of the great examples here is a number of years ago, we started this mobile medical clinic, and it goes into areas that that the Catholic faith is really uh, a mystery to so many people. We have a religious sister who's a physician, and about 100 volunteers, and and that's growing. And just, again, by that witness, going into an area that is not familiar with the Catholic faith. And, uh, you know, we provide all kinds of opportunities in our new cathedral, we have what I call, we, we named the Cathedral Concert Series. And at times, the majority of the people who come for these concerts, uh, both that are, are given by our own Catholic community, but also we bring in the Knoxville Symphony and the opera and such. You know, when they come into the cathedral, they see the beauty of our cathedral and the teaching that's in the murals and in the just the environment of that sacred space. And many questions are asked. And so, you know, it's, it's these different experiences of just living our faith, witnessing in our faith, sharing our faith that people are drawn uh, to the Catholic Church. We average about 150 to 200 every year in the RCIA. And that's just one component of a church that's growing. 
That's beautiful. Some great numbers there. Is part of the challenge, uh, like it is with any group that isn't overly familiar with another group, overcoming assumptions that may be incorrect, overcoming some stereotypes? Well, yeah, and they still exist. And, and, uh, um, but they're there, you know, my concern, we work well with the, the, our Protestant brothers and sisters in the Orthodox and, and other faith communities. Uh, to me, the, the greatest challenge are, are people who have just walked away from faith entirely, you know, whether they're Catholic or non-Catholic. You know, they say that's a, the largest growing entity in the United States. Um, you know, how do we reach Catholics who have just kind of forgot what it meant to be a Catholic? except at weddings and funerals, you know. Um, so the, to me, it's both a evangelization effort within the Catholic community of people who have walked away uh, for whatever reason, as well as people who are outside our faith tradition, uh, to welcome them into our church. And again, it's one person relating to another person, intentional in that discipleship. Bishop Sticker, is part of the upside, those who might be seeking aren't necessarily denomination-oriented, and they just think of a, a church as a church, and we have that opportunity as Catholics to wrap our arms around them with uh, the rich, true faith. Yeah, and, you know, here with, with a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they really emphasize Scripture study, the Word of God. And and we do that here in this diocese, and I'm, one of the great things about the synod process is I want to see what people are saying. You know, it's an outreach to both those who are coming to our faith, uh, coming to our churches on a, a regular basis, as well as we're reaching out to a community greater than that. And to see what people are thinking, what they are looking for, what they're hoping for. And I'm going to use that synod process uh, in in a particular way to, to, to reach out even in, into a deeper uh, pool of information and to see what needs to be done. But, you know, it always comes down to the basics, you know, scripture, sacrament, um, and witness, and, and, and prayer. You know, it all is connected, but our relationship with the Lord allows us, uh, like I said earlier, in order to teach Jesus, we have to know Jesus. And and so that's a if there is a mantra that I was going to use this this year it would be you know to teach Jesus you have to know Jesus so come on in and let's know more about Jesus. With that synod process, I bet you're eager to to see what's on folks' hearts and minds. Uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, the Archdiocese in which I reside, is just uh, kind of wrapped up the 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 uh, the portion the, the parish is giving their their feedback after a two or three year process interrupted a bit by covid but uh, look forward to uh, the the final info coming out later this year now but uh, it's been interesting to be able to be part of that process uh, kind of at a mid level and a parish level as well to see what's on folks hearts and minds so i'm sure you'll you'll learn a lot there as well a joy to talk with you each and every week as always uh, bishop sticker if you'd be so kind as to wrap us up today with your blessing yeah, I pray for all those who listen and their family and friends that as we begin this new year, that it might be a year filled with great joy and acceptance of the crosses that we might have to bear, but doing so knowing that we do so with Jesus. And my prayer is that we might be drawn closer and closer to him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Happy New Year. Amen, and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you so much, Bishop Richard Sticker, joining us this morning. Morning Air continues now with a look at today's Story Corner. And as we deal with frigid temps in much of the country, our story today, 
called Sharing the Warmth. Angel, a Jew, owner of the most famous bakery in Germany, often said, do you know why I'm alive today? I was still a teenager when the Nazis in Germany killed Jews mercilessly. Nazis took us to Auschwitz by train. Last night in the ward was deadly cold. We were left for many days in cars without food, without beds, meaning without the possibility to warm up somehow. It was snowing everywhere. The cold wind froze our cheeks every second. There were hundreds of us on those cold, horrible nights. No food, no water, no hiding. The blood freezing in our veins. Next to me was an elderly Jew who was very loved in my city. He was shaking and looking terrible. I wrapped him with my hands to warm him up, hugged him tight to give some warmth, rubbed his hands, legs, face, and neck. I begged him to stay alive. I cheered him up. This is how I kept the man warm all night. I myself was tired and frozen. Fingers crossed, but I kept massaging this man's body to warm him up. So many hours passed, finally the morning came, and the sun started to shine, and I looked around, looked around myself to see other people. To my horror, all I could see were frozen bodies. All I could hear was the silence of death. The extremely frosty night killed everyone. They died of cold. Only two people survived. The old man and me. The old man survived because I didn't let him freeze. And I survived because I made him warm. Allow me to tell you the secret of survival in this world. When you warm the heart of others, then you'll warm yourself. When you support, strengthen, and encourage others, you'll receive support, strengthening, and encouragement in your life. From 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Amazing stories of what the human spirit is possible of. And uh, here's hoping that you stay warm uh, through uh, whatever... Mother Nature throws at us here over the coming weeks and, and months, especially in the, the northern climates. Hey, if you have a story that you've come across that uh, you would like to send to us as a great suggestion, maybe it's even something you've written yourself, we're open to that. Our email address is morningair at relevantradio.com. That's morningair at relevantradio.com. And if you'd like to access, once again, or share the uh, stories you hear each and every day here, they're available in podcast form on the Relevant Radio app, as well as the Relevant Radio website. That's relevantradio.com. And our Facebook uh, page, Glenn Story Corner on Facebook, is a good spot, too, where you'll find all the uh, the scripts, uh, the text there, as well as the audio of the Story Corner each and every day. Thanks for making a part of your morning as well. Our morning continues coming up in the next hour. We'll talk about grief during the holidays, during COVID, some of those challenges people have had to face. And Martha Fernandez Sardina will... She'll rev us up as she always does, talking about what's in a name. That's next on Morning Air.